0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership.
1: This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 4, Agents, Do You Need One? Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. This podcast comes from two areas. Um, First off, I've had a request directly from a listener to talk more about agents. Um, They're Experiences, we haven't talked enough about it. Mixed with that, there's kind of been a minor fervor going on on the Mm -hmm. internet about uh, Dean Wesley Smith's blog posts about agents. There are about four of them, and he's under the opinion that. All those. (laughs) Yes, all those. Um, And so. Inflammatory blog posts. Yeah. um, I wanted to, to kind of pitch some of the questions at the panelists or at the podcasters, and we'll talk about. You know what we think about agents. I Um, shall be both a panelist and a podcaster today. Oh, uh, will you? All right.
2: (laughs) You did. I guess look bad, Howard. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. Yes, Brandon. Uh, What can I do for you?
1: You sold. You sold a book without an agent. I sold I a book without an agent. Mm-hmm. Howard has managed to make a full-time living as a cartoonist without an agent. <laughs> Selling books without agents. Yes. Yep. So why did you go and get one when you'd already had a, an offer on the table?
2: Uh, because I knew that there were things an agent could do that I could not do. And what are those For things? example, um, negotiating a contract. Okay. I mm-hmm. was not confident in my own ability to get myself a good contract in terms of rights and right. in terms of... Um, money and so I wanted someone who knew what they were doing all right and so I found someone and handed it off and said here you make sure that I don't get screwed on this essentially okay um, foreign rights I uh-huh. knew that I wanted foreign rights every author I've talked to has said that that's where a lot of the money comes from And in my mm-hmm. case that's where my living wage comes from is in foreign rights <laughs> Um, Yeah, sounds like uh, that was the right decision (laughs) for you, Dan. So, and I have no idea. I I spent 10 years trying to figure out how to sell a book in America. I didn't want to start from scratch in every other country in the world. So I said, let's find an agent with international experience. All right. There we go. And that was great because she was able, because she's in a fairly large agency, um, she was able to just walk down the hall and say, here, you're the European seller, sell this in Europe, and Mm -hmm. so on and so on. You know what's so nice about that
0: is you you think, as a a guy who's smart enough to write a book, that you're smart enough to read a contract. And you are. You can read the contract, and if you're clever, you will know exactly what you're getting and what you're not getting out of the contract. Mm -hmm. But what you are not able to do while you are reading that contract is read every other contract that publisher has sent out, Whereas an agent has seen hundreds, and in some cases thousands of contracts, and can do like your agent did, and walk something down the hall to somebody who has a little bit more experience with foreign rights, and Mm -hmm, just make mm -hmm. it happen. And that's something that no amount of Dr. Google is going to help you with, because authors don't publish their contracts on the web.
2: My experience with the contract, the first one that I got from Tor, is that I freaked out over really common stupid stuff and I totally missed the really right. big stuff.
1: Yeah, I did a lot of that
2: too. And so all the questions I would send to my agent were like, what about this line? It says that I have to you know, sell my child. And she'd say, no, it, it actually doesn't. You're reading that wrong. And then she'd say, <laughs> what did say, you think about that the say other child, line?
0: That says children.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then some other line that says I have to sell my you know, kidney or whatever, I totally missed. And she was able to point that out and get it changed. Oh, I have so. two of those. <laughs> Um all right. Let's and start. for the record, yeah. internet, mm-hmm. I
0: only have one kidney. Oh really? This is true. Wow. Congenital defect.
2: Oh. Okay. We always knew there was something yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's my congenitals. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Moving right iTunes. along. <laughs> Clean I oh, want God. you to know that I did not walk through that door. You opened it up, and I thought, there's a joke. I'm not going to make it. If I have to and deliver there, my own punchlines, I will. Um, Brandon, right. I, I want to tell you a story yeah. about an okay. agent
0: that's similar to, similar to Dan's story. My buddy Rodney uh, wrote a book. It was a, a book on a Microsoft product. Mm-hmm. Wrote a book, sold the book, and uh, somebody told him, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should go get an agent. And uh, he contacted an agency who does a lot of, you know, agenting work in the science fiction and fantasy market. Uh, I, won't, I won't drop any names because that wouldn't be right. But uh, uh, his agent told him, um, oh, well, I'm very glad that you sold a book. Can I see the contract? And he said, well, sure. And he showed her the contract. And she says, let me renegotiate this for you. And he says, you can't do that. I've signed it. They've signed it. And she says, let me renegotiate this for you. Um, she renegotiated it, got her fee in there, and got him a fifteen percent raise above that. I don't know how that happens, but when the publisher sees an agent mm-hmm. who knows what they're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, the rules seem to change. Right, and they do. so yeah, if you've already made a sale, great, go get an agent and show them the contract a, you
2: signed. A, a lot of people will freak out to to hear you know that the agent takes a cut, uh, but they pay for it. You know, they they easily exactly pay for it because did. they. They will, you know, if they're taking 10%, they'll make sure that at least 10% more is added on there, thereby paying for their own.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Now, hey. um, what we've been saying here, and by the way, I agree with all of it. Um, what we've been saying here is the conventional wisdom. All of it? Oh, yes. Well, not the stuff about okay. his congenitals, but um, everything else. Um, we, I, I agree with it, but the, the purpose of this podcast partially is to start throwing out the devil's advocate stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, because... Honestly, Dean has some really good points. Um, It's inflammatory, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. One of the things he points out, and I think that our, our listeners should know this, is that there is an alternative if you don't want to handle the contract yourself, and that's someone called an intellectual property lawyer. The difference between an intellectual property lawyer and an agent is an intellectual property lawyer, you pay a fee to handle your negotiations on a given contract, and then yep. after that, they walk away. You have paid them their money, and you not now have this contract. There is nothing coming off the top getting sent to them.
0: And that's actually a really good solution if you're worried about you know not having enough... Experience to understand what the right. contract really if says. if you don't like
1: the idea of an agent taking 15%, it's a way to go. Now, what you lose out on that is the whole foreign thing. Um, I, I have Lee Modest, that we should maybe sometime get on the podcast to talk about these things. He doesn't use an agent for American rights. He handles it all himself. Granted, he lived in D.C. for a while. He's um, mm-hmm. got, a, um, got some legal background. He knows what he's doing. He can negotiate. But he still uses an agent for all foreign sales. So you can't actually do that. You can go... You can go half and half. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that you miss out on that we haven't really talked about is a really good relationship with a really good agent is more than just a contract negotiated here or things like this. Um, A really good agent, and this is something that Dean doesn't like, um, and I'll I'll just state that straight out. A really good agent is partially a career builder for you. They give you advice. They, um, they They tell you, okay... I think that this book would be a better thing to pitch at this time, and even though you've got two offers from these different houses, I think that you should pick this house, even if they're the same because of things that I know about the business, they will be um, a mentor, and they will guide you through a lot of these things. And the the fundamental
0: cause Mm -hmm. for that attitude for an agent is that a good agent has skin in the game right. and knows it. Exactly. They know that if they build your career, they're also building theirs. Right, and, that's, and that's, that 15% makes and, them yeah, invested. And some people look at that and say, oh, gosh, what a parasite. Yeah. That's, that's not being a parasite. That's being... A symbiotic organism. Th- exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a symbiosis.
1: Yeah. Um, but, you know, the the devil's advocate side says, you know... Maybe you don't want career building. And that's what Dean says. Maybe you don't want someone telling you, you should do this, you should do that. He Mm -hmm. doesn't. He does not want anyone stepping in and saying, I think that you should do this with your career or that you should rewrite this book in this given way or anything like that. I moved out of my mom's house 25 years Mm
2: -hmm. ago and darn it. (laughs) One, One of the points he makes and that is valid here is that the value of an agent as a career builder depends entirely on the quality of the agent yeah. that you get. Yeah, and there, let's, let's
1: actually, this is really big. Let's yeah. talk about that after the break. Okay. Um, let's pause for an advertisement. This week we want to preview a book by James Dashner. Uh, James Dashner is actually a friend of mine. He just went big nationally with his book, The Maze Runner. It's a YA dystopian book. Mm-hmm. Um, thriller, I would say. Um, we're going to have him on the podcast probably in about two weeks, and so we wanted to promo his book this week in case you wanted to give it a read to know where what kind of um, book he writes. I think it's fantastic. I blurbed it. and didn't use my blurb. Um, it's, but <laughs> it's a really
0: great book. You weren't book. big
2: enough for him. Um, it's it's very good. It is a huge right now. It's a yeah. very hot book yep. right now, yep. too. So, so if you want Maze to know what's Runner hot. by yeah.
1: James Dashner.
2: James Dashner. Mm-hmm.
1: And go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to get your free trial very all fantastic. right so before we broke broke break break before we paused. stopped paused <laughs> um, Dean had brought up a very important and salient point which is the a lot of things we're talking about here really is depending on which agents you have experience with mm-hmm. um, reading through dean wesley smith's posts and laura resnick posted a lot on there um, they seem to have had inc- incredibly like opposite experiences of me with agents and one of the things that Dean brings up that we should we should mention is that there is no quality control for agents.
2: Yeah. Um, there's no school. There's no certificate yeah. you have to hold. Mm-hmm. You just, any schlub with a business card can, yeah. can walk up an to agent. you in a convention and tell you he's an agent. Uh,
1: someone is making fun of this online um, with a blog run by their cat, who their cat has decided that they're an agent, mm-hmm. um, which was an amusing concept. Their cat can be an agent. There's nothing that says that they can't. Yeah. Um, and... Because of that, they're just what agents do, what their personalities are like, what they, what they, how they see their job, all vary very widely. Mm-hmm. Um, my agent Joshua Bilmes is fantastic. Um, he never does any of the things that Dean Wesley Smith brings up that are that are really egregious. And there are some egregious things he brings up sometimes. I've mm-hmm. um, had experience with agents making decisions for him and not telling him contractual yeah. decisions and just saying yes. Awful.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, never get an agent that does that.
1: Um, he, he's mentioned that uh, sometimes you will get ignored by your agent because you're just not important enough for them. Um, even when I was small, I never and felt that ignored. breaks. Yeah. that breaks the skin
0: in the game model Mm. if your agent doesn't feel like you're big enough your agent doesn't have skin in the game and isn't going to
1: help you with your career well in in that case you know every agent is going to have bigger clients and smaller clients and it's really going to come down to does the agent consider you know it comes down to integrity the agent says i've taken this person as a client i will give them their due consideration and contact um and but at the same time you know I don't want to say that an agent who doesn't do that is a bad agent because in a lot of ways, what your agent does should be matched to what you want as a writer. For yeah. instance, there are some writers who don't want to hear from their agent at all. They want someone who, is, wants, who handles their negotiations and is done um, and Please, stays just, out of it. Just make my
0: contracts work yeah. and mm-hmm. make
1: sure that I get paid yeah. so that I can sit here and write. Right. No. And Other agents that other people want, agents who are calling them on a regular basis and talking to them about their career and right. you know, helping them with their books and consoling them and crying on their shoulder and things like that. Mm-hmm. You were gonna say something? I was there?
2: gonna say, well, one of the things that Dean was just railing about that he hated was editants, uh, editants agents who act like editors and, and will make content suggestions right. on your book. He hated that. Whereas on the other hand, Joshua does that. Joshua does all that quite
1: extensively, and has proven himself to be. Was it you and Joshua yeah. who were talking about the humor in uh, Was it Warbreaker or? Uh, was, it, was, it, it was Moshe who was talking. about It was about Moshe. That. My, oh, so it was my your my editor. editor. Okay. But no, I mean Joshua has proven himself to know a whole lot about writing and about books yeah. um, and things like this. And you know, there, there's the argument that if they were real, if they knew that much about writing, why didn't they become an author? Well that same argument it's goes for editors. Yeah. It's they're different it's different skills writing yep. and there are people who's who are really skilled at noticing when something is wrong and helping mm-hmm. you fix it and there are people who are poor at it. And Joshua is very good at it. Now if yeah. you're a writer who doesn't want an agent that does that, then Joshua would be a bad agent for you despite the fact that I think he is fantastic and perhaps the best agent in the business. Um so yeah. So let's what what do we got here on on Dean's list that we can uh um, the thing that that kind of started all of this with, with Dean's um, posts, and that I think is actually a very legitimate thing to bring up, is the question that sort of started this. Do you need an agent? Mm-hmm. Um, and he pointed out he, it's a big myth, he thinks, in the industry, that authors need agents to sell. Um, yes. he, he calls it a, an incredible myth. Um, and the fact that all three of us here didn't have agents and are able to make a living at writing. We're mm-hmm. able to get contracts. You know, Dan and I both went and got agents. Howard, you actually tried once.
0: I had an agent, um, and we, she uh, shopped the schlock mercenary books around to a number of science fiction uh, and fantasy publishers. And what was funny is that uh, half of them had already heard of it and loved it, uh, but didn't see how they could make it fit with their business. Uh, and the other half of them weren't familiar with it and thought, oh, a comic, I... I don't know that we're ready to do that. But that's something that I think an agent is perfect for. I was trying to take something new into the market, and my agent said, you know what? Um, That sounds exciting. I'll try that. And I never could have made that work on my own. Turns out I couldn't have made it
1: work with help. Right. <laughs> well, I think the, the thing to take away from this podcast is the, the idea that, you know, there are a lot of great benefits to agents, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, we should bring out the simple fact that, no, you do not need one, and they yeah. don't match every person. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of new writers keep get in their mind that, oh, I must have an agent before I can sell. You know and I, think a, yeah. I think a safer, a safer takeaway yeah. is everybody does
0: not need an agent, but mm-hmm. you, fair listener, might.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, here, here's a quick story from David Hartwell uh-huh. to finish this up because I thought this was yeah. wonderful. Uh, we're talking about first time authors specifically. He said, as a first time author, really 50 to 100% of what you're selling to an editor is yourself rather than right. your book. And an agent can't sell that for you.
1: Mm. Okay. So, you're selling your potential, you're mm-hmm. selling who you are to yeah. become a, a bigger name later on.
2: Mm hmm.
1: All right, um, let's do a writing prompt. Howard. Okay, um,
0: write yourself a story about a famous recluse author and his or her agent, and the author dies, and the agent is now scrambling to keep that career alive without telling anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Very awesome. Nice.
0: That's skin in the game.
1: <laughs> uh, this has been right Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.